0: starring Ooh. uh the horrifying Danny Bonaducci. <laughs>
1: okay. So, yeah, he's not You could just killer. be making these up, you know. I, and know I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't know. None of
0: these exist. okay yeah. motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs>
2: How's it going? Welcome to One Fucking Hour. I'm your uh, horror fan podcaster number one, Fred Goria, we got here right now. Yeah, what's up? To my left, we got... Who is that over there? It's It's
0: your worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm SOV horror guy. Okay.
2: (laughs) There you go. Shot on video, horror guy. Welcome, Tom, a.k.a. Tom Fitzgerald. Okay. All right, that's good on the drill. And then to the right, we have, ooh, what am I looking at over here? I don't know exactly what I'm looking at. Who is that?
0: Who is that guy? Who is that, man?
1: A nostalgic, like, Dave Navarro-ish vampire uh, movie type geek guy that wears um, lots of jewelry and stuff.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. Welcome, Marcus
0: Herring. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you should subscribe to Shutter
2: right now. You should subscribe yeah. to Shutter oh, you, you
0: you uh, you write into Shutter, right? Yeah, you, I'm, you're, like a, you're, I'm like you're a I'm like sponsored by Shutter.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm a sh- Shutter sponsored guy over here. You know, love my horror films. Tonight we're talking about horror movies, horror culture all the way, <laughs> horror Twitter hashtag horror Twitter. Okay, um, all right, enough of that bullshit. Welcome to one fucking hour, everybody. It's our special Halloween episode. It's amazing to be here. Thanks for joining, everybody. Um, I'm excited about this, guys, because we're going to do something
0: different. I know, right? Different. It's been a year of one movie, one f an hour, and we're switching it up, flipping the script tonight. I'm, I'm excited because I Me have too. no idea how it's going to go.
2: <laughs> this could go really great. It could go really bad. We're gonna You're going to find out with us. This is ostensibly yeah. a bonus show is how I'm considering this in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. This is a new format we're trying out tonight, guys. We're going to try doing a a, uh, series here where we're going to be talking about our top 10 of blank sort of style episodes where me... Tom, Marcus are sort of putting together our own top 10 lists based around a theme, and we're going to keep them tight. We're not going to share them with each other until we're on the air and the clock's fucking rolling, and we're going to go one by one, round robin. So Tom shares a 10, I share a 10, then Marcus shares a 10, and we go back to nine, and the whole goddamn thing till we get to and number we one. Do, and we
0: just reiterate, we do not know uh, until the moment we make these announcements, drum roll, please uh (laughs) and and we'll all find out together you you know the viewers and and us and uh, there might be a double you know uh there might not you know
2: there might be some overlap that's right there might be some overlap we don't know what's going to go on there might be a
1: huge gulf between them yes (laughs) there might
2: yeah (laughs) yes or we all might
1: discover some beautiful new film that one of us didn't get it you know and like. Uh, the wrong type thing
2: (laughs) well i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because i i do want to talk about a little ground rules before we start the show and get into our top 10 list tonight's episode is our top 10 underrated horror films okay us for us respectively okay is our we're going to be sharing our top 10 underrated horror movie lists let's talk about the rules for that okay because um I sort of am saying I, I'm allowing the term horror, the genre, to be a little loose. I, you know, yeah. I think that's in the eye of the beholder a little bit because I have some on my list where I go a little bit, you know, beyond that. And you know, I know some things later on that'll be that way too. So genre is a little loose. Um, yeah. The clock is running. We got one fucking hour to get all this in, so that means we can we only got we're only going to be able to talk about each movie for about two minutes. That's how the math works right. out.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's the wrath of the math. So, uh, and just to just to reiterate here, uh, also we're still constricted by the one-hour clock. Yes, you know, so no one's going to miss show. that beloved that beloved uh, no, you know, uh, element of the show.
2: Yes, and 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 I and I just want to add that the spirit of tonight's show is for us to share, you know, our favorite underrated horror movies. Maybe some of you mm-hmm. guys haven't seen them. You want to check them out. Uh, we're going to put these mm-hmm. up on Letterboxd and share them for everybody. So if you want to go back yeah. and reference or watch them on Shutter. You know, you yeah, might be able to do that,
0: ten <laughs> so, yeah. percent off if you click. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: not true. <laughs> no, not no, no, true. not true. Okay. We're not sponsored by <laughs> you that. Try a promo uh, code. 1, yeah, hashtag, 000. hashtag neckbeard. Get your horror films in on Shutter. <laughs> yeah, um, all right. Ten um,
0: percent <laughs> off Shutter first month. Yeah,
2: yeah. Shutter.com/neckbeard will get you ten percent off. All right, now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So w- once we start that clock, boys. Uh, so Tom, you want to be first. You want it because you're on the left of the screen. You'll you'll right, say a right. ten. Then I'll say my ten. And then Marcus, you'll say a ten. I think let's try yeah. it that way, and we'll All see right. what happens, everybody. This no, is an experiment.
0: I, I, I guess. It, it, sorry, it's just I'm thinking we should have our own sub clocks. This is going to be a weird. There's the main clock, and at least I'm deciding. Marcus, you know, thought this too. It's a good idea oh. to have a, just a sub clock, so I have some idea if I'm in the two minute zone or what. Because again, we haven't even rehearsed this or tried it or anything. Okay, so you know how I about
2: think? how about if how about like when I'm going like this, then hard stop shut up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and and you're the referee and you'll just go, Marcus, Marcus, thanks, thanks, thanks. Okay, Tom. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. we've decided to keep this yeah. all the clock, the, the one hour clock is, is a flowing. It's 30, it. mono, 30 monologues are about to yeah.
2: happen. Here we go. 30 fucking monologues. We're about to do it. I'm ready. Jesus I'm fired Christ. up. Oh so, here, <laughs> so here we go. Our respective oh. top 10 horror movie. Or oh. Sorry. Our respective top 10 underrated yeah. keyword, which is a little okay. subjective okay. too, because there's going to be, there's going to be some deep cuts, shit you never heard of, but also mainstream shit. We're going to throw it all out at you guys tonight. So top all 10 subjective. underrated horror movies and here comes the clock okay this is gonna right. be Woo! okay
0: Woo! all right my the, uh, my first one number 10 is bloodlust what go it's, oh <laughs> okay it's called all right i couldn't i couldn't tell the clock was going bloodlust aka sorry moscow uh, <laughs> mosquito the rapist from 1976 it's a swiss film it's a it this film uh i was reminded of it when i watched the jeffrey dahmer thing on netflix um because it was eerily uh reminiscent uh the, the dahmer case it's about a guy abused as a child very messed up person an introvert who gets obsessed with going to grave sites and taking people's eyeballs their heads Whoa. their arms drinking <laughs> their blood through a little pipette he's, he, he's his apartment is surrounded by little dolls he puts blood in the dolls it's very grim very grimy very downbeat it's Swiss but it's like Swiss German you know and uh it has a lot of like it's like Fassbender horror the lead guy really commits to the part I forgot his name but um he plays a very convincing um shut in guy who does things like at his desk job is just writing mosquito in red paint over and over again while Whoa. he's working at his desk job because he leaves his mark he just writes mosquito on the on the on the uh, mausoleums and on the places he murders people and yeah it's it's not fun it's very downbeat and i gotta <laughs> say yeah i when i it's the main film that uh i was considering that was on my mind when the Dahmer show was on because it's just one of those things. Like it's the same pathology, basically, because I do think that he has arrested development, and he first had little dolls that he would keep with him, and then he wanted little human being dolls because yes. he's very lonely and insular, and he and he has like no social skills. And it's ultimately a tragic film, uh, and it doesn't have an ounce of humor or winking at you or anything like that. It's just downbeat.
2: All right, blood. nicely done. Blood now blood this blood. is this is this is funny for mine because mine is also inspired by the Dahmer or it gives me Dahmer vibes as well okay All right, go ahead yeah so yes. <laughs> mine is the pit from 1981 oh. directed by Lou Lehman a Canadian horror film shot in Wisconsin which i love okay it follows a 12 year old boy named Jamie who's a total misfit very Dahmer like as i said he's teased and ridiculed his parents ignore him his only friend is a teddy bear that he re- who he routinely talks to, and the film shows us the teddy bear talking back to him, which is amazing. The inner monologue of that. Uh, he has an unhealthy fixation and gets obsessed and falls for his babysitter. So a lot of coming of age, weird sexuality, but he has a totally bonkers secret, which is deep in the woods. He has a he has a pit full of man eating creatures called trogs. <laughs> Or troglodytes that he keeps there, and this movie—I want to spoil the rest of it because it's totally insane. But it's—it's it's, uh, completely unpredictable in a way only a Canadian film can deliver. Although, you know, like I said, it was filmed in Wisconsin. Um, it has that unique look that Canadian movies do, where it feels like an after-school special, you know, at first, but then totally descends into <laughs> this total what the fuck slow burn delirium. Yeah. So you're going to want to check out *The Pit* (1981). That's all I got to say. I'm done. I'm out. Boom, Marcus. That's
1: that's sick. I I love the pit, and I haven't never even heard of the first one Tom mentioned. But on, on the subject of man eating, mine is also a cannibalistic movie. It's probably the first movie that ever like really scared me that I saw like, uh, uh you know, when I was a kid. But my my dad rented me this movie, Parents from 1989. Oh. I think it's actually I'm gonna bend the rules already. Cause it's, I guess it's a horror movie. I mean, a comedy, it's a comedy, not a horror. But I, when I was a kid, I didn't know it was supposed to be funny, you know, just terrifying to me. And it, it hits on all these points of um, uh, the the scariest thing I think about it is it's about a little boy who uh, is sort of lonely and he's got a relationship with his parents. It's a little weird. He, he keeps watching them. He's like walking on them having sex and he has all these like nightmares about them having sex. And, and, like, I mean, that's just, like, one of the most horrific things you could do as a child, right? But then, like, the, the sex scenes that he's walking in on are, like, his parents with, like, like big – his dad's a butcher. And so he, he walks in on his parents with, like, these big, like, butcher paper, butcher paper trays of, like, meat. And the dad's just, like, drenched in meat. And it's it's Randy uh, – yeah, it's Randy Quaid, right? And so it's, yeah. like, you know, not scary now, but as a kid, I didn't know what Randy Quaid was, like, uh, you know uh, – not a non scary actor, but just to see like, it's, it's so much of this grainy footage of this dad just drenched in blood and like rolling all over the bed and bloody with his mom. It's so horrifying. The image is burned in my head forever, forever screwed up from this movie. Maybe it's not too scary. Now I will say that like I discovered, I didn't even know that anything about the movie, uh, going, you know, it's just like stuck in my head when I went back to look it up today. It's directed by Bob Balaban. That's right. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, from, uh, the, the, yeah, uh, he's one of the tricks in Midnight Cowboy, and he's, a, he's the uh, conductor and Waiting for Guffman. So Amazing anyway, character he's not actor. scary, but um, yeah. yeah. So uh, Parents, 1989.
2: Awesome. Okay, Tom, your number
0: nine. Go ahead. Yes, my number my number nine, uh, 1976, Spain, um, kind of an art house director. It's called The Sky is Falling. Whoa. The VHS title is Bloodbath, it stars Dennis Hopper at his very worst and uh Carol uh, uh, um Carol Baker um and uh basically it's a huge bummer about re, uh really decadent American expatriates living in a small Spanish village and the Spanish village resents and hate these jaded drug-addicted narcissistic rich asshole Americans so they set a curse with like a malocha kind of like witch woman <laughs> on a donkey and she goes ice and what what and guess what what they do they decide um to uh, set a curse on the American expatriates who are so decadent and awful and Western you know and modern by giving them these dreams of what they want so so a, a gay guy gets this gorgeous black man to come and and be with him and make love to him Dennis Hopper gets this beautiful young blind woman to like with him and all these people get their dream objects but it all dissolves into um overdoses uh old oh. uh, gorging um drug drug you know just drugs and death and specifically though it's Dennis Hopper you know everyone says he's having a rough time and this year that year this year when he made this 1976 it's, it's around right before apocalypse now he is not acting He's just sweating. He's mumbling to himself. He looks like he's near death, and he has a death scene where it looks like what Dennis Hopper would look like if he did die in an overdose in the middle of nowhere in Spain in 1976. So is that
2: me? That's awesome. Yeah, you're just about wrapping up. That's two minutes. That's awesome. Sky is falling. Sky is falling. Hopefully you can catch that on YouTube or somewhere. I don't know. That's a.
0: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
2: it's a pretty deep cut. All right. It's <laughs> a deep cut. My number nine was released on DVD. I don't think it's on Blu-ray, but I'm going to the 50s for this one, boys. It is Dementia from 1953. Tom, you know this one? Directed by John Parker. Okay, it's black and white. It's an avant-garde curio. It's only 58 minutes long. Uh, And what's awesome about it is Dementia was based on a dream that was relayed to the director by his secretary. I love that. Okay, Ooh. and so he then this is amazing. He cast his secretary as the lead in the movie, right? Which is amazing. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, and and so the 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 movie is completely dialogueless. It's not silent. But it uses sound to great effect, but it pretty much is in the style of a silent film from the you know from the fifties. It's like an hour-long, like noirish nightmare fever dream. It follows this main female character as she's like, you know, dropped into the fucking LA skid row, the streets of Skid Row. It's a total nightmare, weird set pieces, very proto David Lynch in sort of its feel and style mm-hmm. and everything. It's a really, really cool film. And a lot of people have even looked at it, have re-examined it recently as sort of a parable for like a sort of social commentary on like the lives of women and how they're defined and marked quote unquote by abuse and objectification and and being uh you know threats of sexual you know uh, threats and violence like it it's it's almost like this extreme nightmarish version of catcalling you know is the way that it sort of plays out so um yeah. it's, it's it's amazing and i said that it does have david lynch vibes it, it's basically her wandering this world populated by mysterious strangers you know, and there's themes of death, domestic abuse and murder. It's just a really fucking bugged out ass movie from the early 50s. G- you know, get a hold of it. it. has a complicated release history. It was sort of redistributed under a different title and some more narration. Daughter, of horror. It's right, Daughter of horror. That's right. Daughter of Horror. That's right. It had some other narration and shit. But the OG version dementia is badass. All right. Boom. I'm done. Marcus, what's your number 10?
1: Nice. That's a good one. Um, uh, okay. So I'm going to cheat again. This is a movie we've all. Uh, I'm going to cheat against the genre a little bit. This is a movie we've all loved. We've all talked about. It. We've mentioned it a few times in the show, um, but it wouldn't be a one fucking hour episode if we didn't have a documentary in there. So oh, I nice! Say, I'm going to go with *Demon Lover Diary* 1980. Oh, it's, oh. it's really, you know, it's a documentary. Yes, but it doesn't get more drenched in horror movie than this. You know, and it's uh, so it's the story of uh, it's a documentary on the making of uh demon lover sort of it follows the the cameraman jeff Krynas, who's hired by uh hired by don jackson uh and uh, jerry youngkins to to be the dp on the film and the two directors uh are the the, the he goes he's uh jeff's from, from new york and he goes out to the midwest to make this independent horror movie and the two directors are just so rude throughout. It's a crazy story. It looks like it was, I mean, it's the implications that the movie was financed by um, one uh, insurance money from uh, Jerry Yunkins, like cutting his finger off. That's what it seems like, the yeah, implication. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's one of those things where it's a documentary, ostensibly, but it's a horrible making experience of the movie. But it actually does turn into a real horror movie by the end, I would argue. Because there's the, the, the Jeff and, and his uh, girlfriend who's actually shoot, operating the camera, Joel DeMott, who's the director of the film, they actually have to like flee uh, Don and Jerry who are firing guns at them. So like they nearly almost get killed making this this horror movie. I think we're probably going to be talking about it. I'm sure that everyone's upset for me bringing it up on the list here because we're probably going to make it into a, a whole episode at some point. But um, Oh,
2: yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd love that. Uh, sure. Anyway,
1: uh, <coughs> uh, and, then, and then I was just also surprised to find out that Don Jackson's the director of uh, the, all those stupid Frogtown movies. That yeah, I, like, Hell Comes to Frogtown. V- <coughs> in the, v- in the uh, video store growing up. So yeah, anyway, uh, yeah Demon Lover Diary, 1980. And, Excellent. Uh, Ted Nugent's in it too.
2: That's right. That's
0: right. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's right. yeah Demon <laughs> Lover Diary is awesome. All right, uh, Tom, it's time for your number eight. Go ahead. What's number oh, eight on your list?
0: Okay, I guess I'm cheating in the sense that this is a Christian film, Ooh. believe it or not. Uh, yeah, and uh, it actually is bookending with uh, dementia, uh, Evan, in a, in a certain way. It's called Stalked, from 1968, Whoa. and it's by uh, Rolf Forsberg, and it's uh, it's fantastic. It's um, it's a it's it's um, it's a mood piece. It's a dream piece. It's a Christian Twilight Zone. Some have called it. There's a man who's having a midlife crisis and you first see him in this carnival full of strangers who he feels are very grotesque. And then he walks into a wax museum and says, basically, I prefer wax, you know, figures, you know, like they never die or they never rot. And then cut to him going to his childhood home in Holland. And suddenly we're in this world that's not full of strangers with grotesque faces. We're in a world with nothing but him. It's an empty airplane. He comes to an empty airport. He walks around in empty streets his home oh. uh his, his the childhood home is empty all the streets are empty when he goes walking at night he goes to a church it's totally empty but he does meet a strange figure who dances with like uh wooden shoes and uh there's a fire there's a crucifix there's remorse there's confusion there's depression there's a realizations um there's ample beauty it's a gorgeous film this guy has a great eye for filmmaking and he just got stuck in this kind of christian ghetto he's got lots of other films too i've actually met rolf forsberg the director old guy he's probably passed away it's like 10 years ago but he's really sweet and all his films are are, um yeah he's like he's an artist he's like a bergman of uh, christian films and this film i was thinking as i watched it does it have enough horrific elements of a horror movie and yes and i looked up reviews and a lot of people say it's the scariest movie i've seen in a long time stalked
2: awesome all right gotta gotta check that out
0: that sounds amazing
2: all right guys all right my <laughs> love that alarm going off all right yeah, i don't know my number gotta do it <clears throat> my number eight tom look alive Talk. my number eight Brother is man. the burning moon hey <laughs> Yeah. That's a good one. Gotta have that. I got actually two copies of it on VHS here. The one I released and then the original. Okay. I'll be quick. It's from 1992. It's German. Directed by Olaf Eitenbach. And it is uh, a crazy shot on video. One of the most splatter, insane movies ever made. One of the most violent, outrageous, over not, the top.
0: Not hyperbole.
2: Not hyperbole. It's total fucking crazy ass shit. The director stars in the movie as a a total degenerate junkie who babysits his sister. And he the movie begins with him telling her two horrible bedtime stories. So it's kind of an anthology film with two separate stories. The first one... Is about an escape serial killer who kills an entire fucking family. End of story right there. It's amazing. Second story is a little rugged about a country priest, Diary of a Country Priest, uh, on a murder spree that, on a, that ends in a disturbing descent to hell. And this scene in, in, in this fucking descent to hell sequence is a DIY fucking crazy scene where teeth are getting drilled. People are being pulled apart. Limbs are being splayed. Skin is being removed. It's if hell was a basement in suburban Germany. It's one of the most fucking insane things, yeah. but the movie is incredibly creative, and the director, you know, has obviously a vision and 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 has incredible. Um, uh, I, I don't know. He just he ha- he has a lot to say. Let's put it that way. And he has a lot of motivation, and it's it's incredible. The Burning Moon. Trigger warning. If you watch this one, it gets a little heavy and gets a little fucking stiff. But the Burning Moon is some crazy ass shit. Um, so that's my number eight okay marcus it's time for your number eight what is it
1: wonderful wonderful okay so uh, you know you gotta throw a bone to the uh euro 70s euro sex horror i think mm. and, uh, it's a, it's a big it's a big genre there's whole books written on it um and it and but i had to, i had to pick one and i went with daughters of darkness from 1971 i don't know if it's nice you know, super obscure but it's 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 very it, i think Definitely. it's maybe it's gotten more appreciated over the last few years but um you know it's got everything you want and it's probably the 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 peak of that genre i think it's got awesome atmosphere uh really like luxurious sets beautiful women in the casting beautiful photography really nice lenses um lesbian vampires you know and it's sort of a restrained uh, vampire story where it's like the Queen of Blood, you know, bat- a Bathory. I think who's like a yeah. She has to like you know, it's 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 less of like a it's not really a bat sucking blood vampire story. It's more of like a ancient queen that's got to, you know uh, uh, drink blood and bathe in blood to survive type thing. So she sort of seduces a young couple, but the main reason I love it, I think, is. The music, that's a big part of like horror movies for me. Like I'm not a gore person, you know, I'm not even like a huge horror person, but this comes up a lot for me is that the music is so good. And that's one of the things that makes this movie uh, so awesome. There's the soundtrack by Francois de Roubaix, who's just the master like composer, uh, amazing guy, died, died young, um, did a lot of like amazing, like uh, kind of Jacques Cousteau type underwater films and stuff. But his, his, all of his soundtracks are awesome. This one is particularly dope. I, the first time you hear it, you're gonna you're gonna go like this song. These songs have been sampled, you know, thousands of times by different hip hop artists, and they have. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, daughters of darkness,
2: 1971. Awesome. I love that movie. That's a great pick. All right, yeah. uh, Tom, you're up. What's your number seven?
0: Okay, um, I'm into mid '80s uh, slashers time. Yeah. Um It's when it's when the genre's fa- uh, flailing and failing, and everyone's kind of over it. It's 1985's. Deadly Intruder, Ooh. starring uh, the horrifying Danny
1: Bonaducci. <laughs>
0: okay, so yeah,
1: he's not. You could the just keep making these up, you know. I, know. I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't know. None
0: of these exist. Okay, so Deadly Intruder. It's actually kind of interesting. Uh, again, I'm really into the this 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 subgenre of slasher films, and this is a good example of one of them. Um, the other one might be like t- uh, Terror at Ten Killer. If anybody's familiar with? that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, okay, great. Deadly Intruder. Uh, it's very small budgeted. It's regional, um, and it's but it's actually it adds to the creep factor. You know, it's just like a few simple locations, like a, a ranch house, and like uh, employees, you know, chatting about you know going on a dinner date later at their job at a at a, at a clothing store, like in you know outside of Akron, Ohio, or something. So um, the thing that I really like about it is it's one of those movies where um, it's kind of a uh, like Hitchcock's um, Shadow of a Doubt where it's uh like there's a guy who's ingratiated himself and and coming into town and starting you know he's got a new job and everybody's getting to know him he's getting to know them and he comes over to this dinner date and he's very charming but maybe he's the killer or is it the escaped axe wielding maniac who uh is is prowling the um the woods and it, you don't know who the killer is maybe they're both killers and yes in the mix there's danny Bonaducci. yeah, danny, yeah. like a total dirtbag loser Around the time when he would get arrested, big drug addict. And you just watch him uh, get horny, make a cake, uh, you Sounds know, like have, his head, have his head thrown into a television set. So, um, yeah, Deadly Intruder. I actually like it, but it also has some camp factor because of the Bonaducci. Mid 80s horror.
2: Boom. Love it. All right. <clears throat> My number seven might be one of the more well known ones so far. But I still think it's underrated given the context of where the sits in the director's filmography. My number seven no. is <clears throat> Inferno by Dario Argento oh. from 1980. Oh, nice. All right. So I think it's largely overlooked, you know, compared to obviously films, and it's overshadowed compared to Suspiria and Phenomena and his other movies. Uh, this is Argento's dark prog rock film Okay, It has a brilliant Keith Emerson score The score is fucking fantastic in this movie I think it stands toe to toe with any of the Goblin scores In my personal opinion Anyway, to me the worst parts of Argento films I'm not even a big Argento fan Even though I'm cosplaying as one tonight um, yeah, right. but um, I'm not even that big of an Argento fan I'm more of a Fulci guy because Fulci's more my speed you know he's fucking way out far out dude and I like that shit but to me the worst parts of Argento movies is when he gets bogged down into plot and into story I think he flails quite often when he's trying to you know tell like you know a, a linear story you know but this fucking movie Inferno dispels with all that shit get that fucking story out of here okay and basically it's a mood piece it's a it's a beautiful moody you know lots of great moonlight neon lit like labyrinth of one nightmare logic set piece to another it's a total gothic vibe it's amazing it feels like you're almost like reading an ec comic or something it's it's got all that great visual obsession that makes argento great the weird architecture the angular camera work it's just a really fucking cool horror flick to get lost in and just to just to just to free yourself and just let it take you on this fucking ride you know, whereas like Deep Red, hey, Deep Red's got some cool shit in it, some cool scenes and everything, but it's got a bunch of hokey bullshit doing it, you know, and this movie is just fucking raw, awesome, you know, prog rock, nightmare dream shit. Anyway, I yield the floor now
1: to um, Marcus. Uh, what is your That's number seven? Right. I'm on board with that. That was a good one. Thank you. Okay, so uh, number seven, right? So I'm on. Uh, so I'm gonna pick Incubus from 1981. Oh, uh, a real special relationship. That movie, uh, you know, it's of course it stars John Cassavetes, and I feel a little bit like um, uh, it's my favorite Cassavetes movie. You know, it's a little bit like uh, on the Office when Michael's like the only, the only Woody Allen movie he's seen is Ants. You know, it's feel a little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so it's to it's who plays a doctor who's trying to solve a series of mysterious sort of supernatural um, trigger warning rapes that happen in the town. And um, I really, if you do watch this movie, I highly recommend turning it into a drinking game. You take a shot every time that Cassavetti says the word blood, buddy sperm, sperm with blood. You know, like he says it about 900 times, but be careful, you know, because he says it a lot. Um, uh, You know, the the, the, the thing I think it's such a weird movie, like it's got a great vibe to it, atmospheric overall, the atmosphere is great. But again, the thing that really kills it for me are the musical cues. It's got this amazing moment where... All of a sudden, it turns into a Samson concert, which is like Bruce Dickinson's band yeah, before I made it. Amazing. All, you're just so confused as hell. It's like, what's going on? What you're at like a, you're watching a film of Bruce Dickinson's band with this crazy laser curtain type thing, and then all of a sudden, you realize there's some kids in a movie theater, and it makes sense. Ah, okay, that's why it's in there. But you spend a long time in that movie. It's really weird. A long time. And then there's also a really awesome, uh, I think it's Canadian band, FM, that has a, a sound Love cue in them. it called... The song is called mm-hmm. Lost and Found, mm-hmm. and it's a great, great. drop, in this, and it's a real creepy moment. They let it play out for a long time. And Great song. And uh, just one final detail of that movie that I'll never forget, this woman does a weird-ass thing. She's putting her daughter to bed, and she gets her a Coke right before bed, or she wakes her up to give her a Coke, and I'm like, who does that? Who drinks the oh. Coke right before they go to sleep? Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Miss Thank you, Love it.
0: All right, Tom, what's your number six? Let's move on. Uh, okay, guess what? it's really obscure death wish club 1984's <laughs> death wish club no idea and um yeah it's a very strange one it's as if a uh, pulp novel was adapted in 1984 in a world of neon and you know martial arts karate chops and everything it's got a clashing kind of style it's got it's trying to be sort of like a a moody sort of noir piece, like I'm saying, but it's got all these 90s things about it, gore and, um, you know, and uh, porno, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, okay, the story's weird because it has echoes in the first part of the Daniel Klaus story, um, like a velvet, um, like a, a velvet, velvet glove gloves, cast in iron. iron. Yeah. Right, and um, when, right when I saw Death Wish, I went, oh my God, it's just like the first sort of chapter, quote unquote, of... Um, of uh you know claus's story a guy is at a frat house and he, they all watch a porno and he falls in love with the woman in the porno and he's tries to pursue her so there's a lot of the movie in the beginning is like have you seen this woman yes she works for whatever it's almost like hardcore too in a way that film this george c scott film oh, so yeah. he finds her right. she's really weird she's part of a secret society of people in a de- their death wish club and it gets into that whole kind of headspace of secret clubs like um oh god what is it uh, you know like uh eyes wide, eyes wide shut, shut. Yeah. and what these people do is they get the thrill of having near-death experiences and they all get together there's like wow. rich people from all over the world at these warehouses and they do these stunts where one of them will die from some contrived you know claptrap contraption you know like whose chair is electrocuted and it's like oh it's bill and anyway she the girl he loves dies quote unquote and um she disappears. She's in her grave. We, or in her coffin. We see her. But then this man appears and starts directing porno. And he looks very familiar. And you wonder, um, where have I seen this man before? High weirdness. Death Witch Club.
2: Oh, nice. I <laughs> love that timer. Love that timer. <laughs> All right. Okay. Great my number <laughs> My number 6 uh for y'all is Oh man, we could do a one fucking hour in this movie, no problem. Okay, this is uh Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker from oh, yeah. 1981 <laughs> aka Night Warning. Okay, this movie it stars Susan Tyrell in one of the all-time great unhinged hysterical performances ever as the domineering homicidal aunt Cheryl who nurtures in a, a fucking bizarre ass relationship with her nephew Billy who she also raises as her son. And and I have to say that you know, she com- moves in with her after uh, his parents dies in a, in a car accident, which is the opening scene of this movie. Spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. It's one of the most insane showstopper openings of any horror film ever. Is this fucking scene, as you see when how Billy's parents die? But anyway, the jealousy yeah. that she has toward her own nephew. Trigger warning: This movie's got some fucking insane ass incestuous overtones. That sort of leads Aunt Cheryl to kill. And then you also have this other character, a very bigoted cop played by Bo Svenson, the most Minnesotan name of all time, um, uh, who believes Billy is actually the killer when, in fact, Cheryl is. And and he goes on some sort of outrageous plan to try and pin the murder on 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 Billy as some sort of like gay rage spat that he has. It's very very bizarre. So as the movie progresses, like most of the movies on my list, it's an escalating series of super wrong sequences. And it's not really a slasher. This probably was a movie that was difficult to market, you know, but yeah. that's how it was marketed. Um, but it's more in line with like an 80s version of those kind of gothic horror, hag horror films like What Happened to Baby Jane or Hush, Hush, Sweet Scarlet. Yeah. It's got more of that vibe to it. But man, oh, man, is it a gem. So definitely go out of your way to seek out Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker from 1981. Booyah. Okay.
1: Susan uh, Yeah. Absolutely amazing performance. MVP there. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: All right, Marcus. What's your number six?
1: All right, number six. Uh, someone had to pick this one. It's become a little bit more uh, loved in the in the recent years. But when I first discovered it, no, or not for myself. I uh, I didn't know anybody else who'd ever seen it before. Boxer's Omen, 1983. You know it. You love it. It's. Yeah. Uh, I first read about it in uh, Mondo Macabro, which is a big book for me and uh you know it's it's a thai uh, it's thailand 1983 it's a uh a, a sort of kickboxer guy right like his, he's trying to avenge the death of his brother and uh he gets sort of swept into uh the, the avenging ends up happening on this sort of like astral plane and these battles that he has against these um sort of like witch doctors slash sorcerers that are out that are uh, putting curses on him and stuff and there's all these amazing effects, you know, like uh alligators being cut <laughs> cut up and, and know, bodies wild. being born out of the mummy bodies being born out of them and oh, yeah. it's just like genius filmmaking. There's all these, you know, sometimes you can see the edges, you can see that the the effects are done with cellophane occasionally or something, but the lighting's so good. The, uh, oh, the, the that's amazing! The imagination is just off the charts. The, yeah, you get this sort of cultural experience that you don't get anywhere else. Like you know, I'm sure some of the a lot of the things you see have cultural roots in Thailand, but it's just like completely alien to us. So it's like, uh, for example, there's a th- there's a part where the boxer is like meditating, and his face becomes like covered with like. Um, little with like uh letters like a spell or something it's, yeah. it's like shooting and animating all over his face and it's just one of the classic uh effects movies of all time i think like it's just like ideas every every two minutes is another genius like effects idea so boxers omens one of the best movies ever made i think it really yeah. is it's a blast it's, it's a, a monster a, it's monster. a
2: killer movie night movie get your friends together watch Boxers omen you're all gonna have a great time all right tom Tell us uh,
0: what what is your number five on your list? What's your number five? Jesus Christ number five right in the middle. Well, it's a little different than Boxer's Omen. It's just sweaty people um, in Florida in the mid 70s. <laughs> yeah uh, my brother yeah, my brother has bad dreams. Oh, I love it <laughs> Yeah that's not real yeah.
2: no, it is I love it. I love it. I
0: hope that it's real because here's Woo! the VHs. I love so so, um, sorry my brother has bad dreams I really like it and it's um it's got one of the great endings of all time first of all uh I I don't want to spoil anything because we assume no one's seen any of this stuff especially what I'm mentioning but uh it has an ending that involves a motorcycle mannequins and a sort of amphibious threat uh I highly (laughs) recommend watching it even if only for the ending it's basically about a really sweaty guy uh who's often in his underwear uh and him and his sister live um the house they're orphaned but they're like 25 years old and they live in this house it's very gothic sweaty freudian horror uh sometimes he peers at her when she's changing her clothes and he gets sweatier than he already is because it's like (laughs) Florida and it's hot so it's all sweat and bad dreams like in the title and um a lot of mannequins he basically it's one of those movies where the character uh, the lead villain i guess you could call him he's mostly talking to mannequins the whole time it's mannequin horror which is you know uh, anything with mannequin horror i'm i'm just automatically in it's just the way it looks you know and yeah I mean, we so talking about you know me. recently yeah. yeah you know me and maniac is like that yeah so it's and really um it's just it's it's It is an insightful horror film and some of the acting uh, by him, especially this this long deceased um, young actor, who's this really grotesque figure. He's he's a totally unpleasant guy. He looks weird. He's pockmarked. He looks like an ugly, like uh, awkward boy. He looks like Jerry Lewis if he had no grace or sense of humor. And and he's in his underwear the whole time. And uh, yeah, I have not much to say. It's my brother has bad dreams is a one of a kind. Okay.
2: All right. That's your number five. Okay, my, f- my number five, Tom, I really hope you've seen this movie. I hope you both have seen this movie. If you haven't, get on it immediately. Number five is The Redeemer, Son of Satan oh, from 1978, yeah. directed by Constantine S. Gou- Gucci's. Uh not exactly not exactly sure, but holy shit. Great. This is an incredibly strange, completely, unexpectedly creepy, one-of-a-kind film that I can only explain to you guys as if it's like Joe Dorowski made a slasher film in the 70s, meets like, I don't know, David Fincher's seven, maybe in concept. But basically, Because it deals with the seven deadly sins. But from from frame one, the dreamlike madness hits you over the fucking head with this insane shot of a fully clothed kid, like, I don't know, 10 years old, with an extra thumb, is rising and walking out of a lake. Now, if that ain't a fucking image, I don't know what is. But it's basically Mm. a a, a simple plot of about six people who are invited to their 10-year high school reunion, but the Redeemer, who's played by this loony-ass fucking priest, he picks each one of them off in a killing spree, based on a particular one of the sins, as I mentioned, and um, something that each of these graduates had probably perpetrated against him when they were kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But the Redeemer, this priest, he adorns a new attire for each fucking killing, and the film stages all the killings in these completely unique set pieces, which are truly terrifying. And some critics... Ha, like over the years have really twisted themselves into knots trying to decipher the agenda of this movie because evil does mm. prevail of this movie and some have even theorized that it's come to because yeah. this is the this is the director's only movie he's ever made and some have theorized that it's like some sort of fractured religious conservative fantasy about punishing permissive youths for their sins, because yeah. evil does prevail, man. It's a pretty dark, wicked ass, yeah. weird movie. It is. Get in that shit now. That movie is fucking crazy. Okay. Anyway, Marcus, what clown. is your the clown, uh, Marcus? What is your number five?
1: Amazing. I, okay, so I really hesitated even talking about this because I don't even know how. I might even need your help, one uh, of you guys to like discuss to describe this film. But sure. I, I had to pay homage to uh, you know my roots in like uh, something weird video and uh, real wild cinema and Elvira and uh, uh, so. Uh, this movie Alabama's Ghost. I don't even know how to describe this film. It's truly yeah. one of a kind. It's so fucking weird. I don't you know, I, I remember seeing it as a kid and then I actually saw it in the theater once before too It's incredible but it's like uh, it's, there's no film quite like it. It's impossible to explain. A janitor kind of like uh, becomes a, a really famous magician. And there's all mm-hmm. kinds of voodoo problems and oh yeah, ghosts and vampire. It's very psychedelic. It's very well, there's weird.
0: An, an assembly line of vampires. There's a disappearing elephant. Uh, well, it's Frederick Hobbs from um, the the uh, you know the Yucca the Yucca what is that oh, called? Yeah. that movie? The God, Plast, of God
1: Monster of Indian Flats, India right? Plats which is also Rose what Nair. I remember, yeah I remember that from. When I was that's the one with the mutant sheep, right? I remember yeah, seeing yeah. that on TV oh, he's when, when I was a kid. And, I'm having fucking nightmares about that sheep to this day, you know, from in Indian flats. So yeah. it's so weird. It's the same director. I almost put that one on the, on the, on the list too, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just sort of my entry in the uh, something weird category. Hopefully maybe we can do it one day here and, and do it a better, more proper justice. Sure. It's, sure. It's a film that has to be seen to be believed and And he goes classic yeah, oh, and, we're not,
0: and it's driven by Dixieland.
1: That's right, music. Alabama's go.
0: Yeah. Yes. Alabama's ghost. It's great. It's, oh been, God, it's, been, I a, it's,
2: it's been about 10, 10 years for me on that one, so I definitely got to catch up with that one. But anyway, I, I Tom, love it. I love it. What
0: is your number four? Oh God! Do you really want to go back to me? All right. Uh, how about a movie called Satan War? It's oh one yeah. One word. Satan yeah. War. 1979. It. It's great. It's uh, it's it's actually it's directed Indonesian? by. No! Oh, Not even close, hold on. So it's 1979, (laughs) it's directed by a character actor who I think was like a religious zealot, and he played the coach on uh, The Brady Bunch. And he made a film about a house that's possessed by the devil. And so it's sort of like uh, Amityville Horror, but it's it's as if Amityville Horror had no budget, no script, no actors, and just a, a vibe. The whole film is the couple terrorized by the house, and the house is uh, terror- terrorizing, is epitomized by goop. Like, goop is coming out of the fridge. Green goop is coming out of the uh, oven. And just the soundtrack is the same thing over and over. It's just, da synthesizer, da ba And it's hypnotic, and it's very stoned, and it's very drugged out, and it's very obscure. I don't think it came out. It barely came out on, like, you know, Dutch VHS. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Satan war one yeah. word. Wow. And uh, it's a, it's a monster. Um, it's, it's again, if you, if you catch the wave of its drugginess, it's, it's literally hypnotic and hmm. someone put on, um, it, it came out in VHS, but someone amazingly on uh, YouTube put out something that was <clears> they taped it off like, you know, mid eighties, like, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, late night TV. And it has like a almost a half an hour, uh, uh, pre sequence of a, a, a voodoo ritual so let's seek that one out with the original voodoo ritual uh, satan war intro and uh yeah it's really fun and it feels like a conservative crazy guy from van nuys wanted to make amityville horror <laughs> and it, and you wound up with a real concoction something went very wrong in the recipe with that one satan war
2: all right satan war love it i don't know how we're gonna track that one down but all right my number four i'm gonna On be YouTube. quick I'm at okay, it's on YouTube. Great. I'm gonna be real quick about this one because we did a whole one fucking hour on it. Of course, you know me. If you know me, my number four has hey. gotta be on my list. And that is Pin, a plastic nightmare. <laughs> pin! I mean, come on. You know, I, I mean, come on. You pin. know, every anyone who knows me, I'm a pinhead. So, um, We did one fucking hour on this movie already, like not even that long ago, so uh, I'm going to put the little link to it right here. It'll pop up on your screen if you want to watch the one fucking hour on (laughs) PIN, but uh, it was my birthday episode of the show that we did, but just to quickly encapsulate it, it is an extremely wrong, extremely Canadian, very creepy portrait of mental illness and familial trauma at the hands of a translucent medical dummy, and we explored... The backstory of the novel it's based on, the fucking crazy-ass wow. writer that wrote it, we went deep on PIN. So I won't wow. waste any more of your time with my number four, but that's my number four, PIN, A Plastic Nightmare. Uh, all right, I-, I bought you an extra minute. Okay, uh, and Marcus, what's your number four?
1: Hell yeah. All right, so my number four, it's another movie that's probably gained in prominence over the last few years, but uh, and we all love it. I hope maybe we'll do a... Uh, it's it's cheating a little bit, too, from 83 uh it's but i gotta mention so like one of my favorite directors and it's the only film like a feature film that he ever touched uh so onks 1983 it's a big new the amazing music video director and short film director of the 70s and 80s uh, is the dp of this movie and so you can watch it and kind of pretend that he directed it because it's one of the most amazing visual experiences ever no one's ever shot a movie like this. Nope. Uh, you know, no. And it's uh, it's basically, it follows the story. It's very uh, basic true life story of a guy going on a murder spree and you follow him along almost from like a top down view, like high overhead view. It's a lot of long takes with a traveling camera they actually built this crazy rig uh what that was like the camera was attached to the guys what does the z bigs waist shooting up into a mirror that's up high and the Uh mirror is capturing down below so you you've got this amazing bird's eye view lots of um that trick where they they uh, attach the camera to the killer and like It's spinning around him as, uh, you know, you see a lot of music videos, like maybe in the early 2000s, but now you, but this was in a movie in 1983 that sort of never landed over here. So a German film, it's, it's pretty violent and like horrible, lots of blood and, but mainly the visual experience is just like unparalleled. Uh, You know, it's a great movie, good soundtrack too, but it's mainly for me about, yes, by Schultz. Yeah, baby. And uh, basically, about Z-Big Ryczyński for me. So um, I like to pretend—I pretend that he directed it, even though he didn't. He's—he's he's a god. He's a god of uh, of the visual yeah. image.
0: Oh gosh, we got—we got, my turn we got to
2: it. hang on. We got to do a one fucking hour and on because we're ready to go back into the
0: dark shit yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, Tom, absolutely. what is your
2: number? Th- we're at the top three. Tom,
0: what's your I number? Know. Three? Oh my god, it's top three. All right, so this is this this is telling. Here's the most famous film of my list: Home Bodies from 1974 (laughs) and uh you guys know it well only because you mentioned it a few weeks ago well okay all right uh so okay so homebodies 1974 and it's about killer uh grandparents basically um those are the homebodies it's actually a very it's 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 not it's got a heart and it's got a mind and it's very strange and interesting it's about this really sad i think it's cleveland some depressing place in mid-70s you know post West Belt kind of America and like the 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 where they filmed it is an area that's being demolished like pretty soon the housing that these old people live in is literally in the real world going to be demolished and it's all going to be modern high-rises and the thing is there's sort of an echo tone I think is the word it that's the the uh, the um the location of the film is these really old row houses you know like uh, like from the 1800s mm-hmm. next to these high-rises from like a year before 1974 and the thing is is they're all they all are being force evicted by like evil landlords so these old people say well we love our place and we want to be here till we die so they start killing the realtors and the landlords and the and the contractors <laughs> and it has uh, and it has heart though because you feel bad for them But it's also a black comedy and I'll just say it's a brilliant black comedy because there's one little set piece where uh, somehow in the circumstance of the film one of the old guys has in his pocket the um half a foot of one of the people they killed and he's keeping <laughs> it in his pocket to conceal it because of a certain bizarre circumstance that happened and it's sort of funny sort of gross kind of weird it also has a lot of heart and you learn to love these guys who are killers um great film homebodies Ooh, all right I nice. Love
2: okay. All right, my number 3 uh oh this this is this is where we're 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 getting into movies that I just fucking love. Here we okay, go. Oh yeah. Here we go. Number 3 is Messiah of Evil.
0: Oh, of course.
2: Got to put that on the list. I got the the cut box, cut big box here, but it still works. Slick. Okay. Hey. Yeah, so Messiah of Evil, um oh my god. If Nightmare Logic is your thing, and a lot of movies on my list, I guess apply to that, look no further, okay? Because this is falling face-fucking-first into a dreadful fever dream. It's amazing. This is the brainchild of Willard Hayuk and Gloria Katz, okay, who were film school alumni with George Lucas. And they co-wrote American Graffiti, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, and Howard the fucking Duck. Um, But Mm -hmm. this movie is a string of unforgettable, truly harrowing set pieces revolving around, like... Just really weird, mundane, sleepy marine town, like mm. nautical town. Like you have this brightly lit mm. supermarket scenes, movie theater, the gas theater. station. You got this mm. just amazing, a dreamlike, like ambiguous nature of the story, too. It's very like elliptical, you know, like this movie. It's a very simple story. It's about a young woman who arrives in this mysterious town of Port Dune, as I mentioned. And she... Um, Is there to search for her missing father okay? Who's uh, I think an artist And he was receiving these really disturbing Letters and so she's kind of there To investigate what the fuck are these letters coming from What's going on with my dad Um, And so it's just a really creepy eerie movie Lots of just very um, Like I said dreamlike scenes one set piece After the other I seem to like that sort of thing I guess Um, Experimental music score Is amazing Uh, Incredible major discordant synthesizer Droning it's just an incredible 70s a uh, wild ass, underappreciated horror movie. Seek it out. It's on DVD. Definitely check it out. So that's my number three. Messiah. One movie. of the greats. One of the greats.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Okay, Marcus. What is your number three, bro? That's awesome. I'm starting to feel like that too. Like some of my uh, personal tastes are starting to uh, bleed through here. So it's, I feel like it's gonna get. There's gonna be some similarities in my last bit here. But um, number three, okay. gotta go with Mystics in Bali. I think it's like one of the most incredible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, from, that's 1981's yeah. one most incredible, like Indonesian films. So mm-hmm. it's uh, directed by the same guy who did Lady Terminator, which is one of my all-time favorites. It still got a 35 millimeter of that kicking around here somewhere. That's and awesome. uh, I should have brought the reels out to, sh- to show you the way you guys bring out the uh, VHS tapes. But um, Mystic ah. in Bali, it's like it's so weird. It's the witch with flying head movie where the uh, it's if you've ever seen this weird Indonesian like folklore thing where there's a, a head flying around with a bunch of guts and like it's uh, amazing and lungs and, and the small intestine only a head with the small intestine flying oh, around. My. It's this fucking movie. There's a few others, but this is the main one that's been restored. It looks amazing. <laughs> A lot of it takes place. It's a, a, an American girl is uh, goes to uh, Indonesia to study black magic, and she meets this witch in the woods who starts performing all these spells on her, turns her into a pig, turns her into a crocodile, all these amazing like inflatable latex effects. Yeah. Like, like Evan said, it's one set piece after another. It all sort of takes place in this creepy area where it's like a lot of green plants and then just jet black nothingness mm-hmm. behind them. So it feels like it takes place in another. Uh, You know, again, like sort of like an astral plane or something. It feels very weird. Lots of flat lighting contributing to like just the overall sort of queasiness of the film. And then, of course, the witch ends up getting the girl. uh, At night, she removes the woman's head and sends the uh, the the young American girl out to suck the blood of like babies. (laughs) So uh, it's really horrific movie. It's it's incredible. Uh, Mystics and Bali. All right,
2: great
0: choice, great choice. All right, Tom, Classic. what is your number two? Oh, my gosh, the second film on the list, Morbo, M-O-R-B-O, from 1972. It's a, a pretty obscure 1972 Spanish horror film. Uh, Spain cinema, actually, I would say that Spain cinema in general is underrated, especially their horror. I mean, some titles have popped up, but Morbo is not one of them. Uh, a newlywed couple. Uh, decide to go camping and they have you know like an RV and they go off in the middle of the nowhere into the obscure woods and everything's really wonderful it's a very um idyllic wedding and they seem very very happy with each other pretty young couple and but something's kind of wrong like you know she takes a walk to the creek you know it's this kind of movie where she uh, for some reason sees the groom and the bride figurines that you see on a wedding cake floating down the the creek. She's like, what's going on? You know, it's that kind of movie. (laughs) Some people have cited Boonwell. I could see that. It just has, like, it's it's the most sophisticated film in my list of, you know, insane garbage that I've been rattling off because it's very subtle and very controlled, and somehow this very masterful director uh, has it so that there's very little going on. It's, like, incredibly, quote, unquote, cheap. It's just basically these two actors... Uh, with an rv in the middle of the woods but he utilizes uh, like you know the filmmaking technique uh you know um to make everything um more and more uh foreboding and malevolent it feels like something's wrong in the woods the choices in music and editing and then things then really ramp up in the last act when the weird american character actor actor michael j pollard who you might have seen with the kind of pug-faced weirdo guy yeah suddenly he pops up into the film as kind of their sort of neighbor and uh there's sort of a violent bloody confrontation and it's uh it's very stoned the film uh that's how i'd put it more than anything it's a very s- sophisticated stone film in the in in the bunwell school 70s Buñuel. morbo morbo
2: all right my number two wow my number two pick guys all right oh that's you um my number two pick okay years ago I uh, freshly minted a new subgenre. genre I, I coined uh, that I call sad horror, okay? Sad mm. horror. And this is the Citizen Kane of that genre. And, Tom, you have a very special connection to this movie, which I'm sure we'll get into on another day. But my number okay. two is Death Dream, okay, by Bob Clark. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, this is, I think, from 1973, to something two, something, or four, yeah. maybe, Two. Okay, it, it's it's one of the first films ever to really deal directly with you know Vietnam, you know PTSD. It really, it really, truly is. Yeah. But it's an absolutely terrifying film as well. The film follows a family. Side note. The parents are played oddly by the same two actors who are also paired together in Casavetti's faces, which makes no sense. I know. But they they receive the news that their son has been killed in Vietnam and they're processing the grief. They're going through all that, you know, those horrible traumatic emotions. And then a few days later, the son mysteriously comes home. And they're 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 so thrilled to have him back. He's not dead, he wasn't killed in action. But of course, over the next few days, he exudes these strange, detached, withdrawn behavior, which then, of course, escalates into a murderous nightmare, you know, and it's absolutely intense. It's cutting edge social commentary as well, but it really has some truly chilling ass fucking scenes that are done, performed incredible by the by the lead actor. It is it like literally if EC I keep bringing up EC comics but if EC horror comics had been around during the Vietnam yeah. era yes. they would have made a socially conscious story very very similar to this. Oh. And I, and and the reason I call it sad horror cuz it's it's horrible to see the family processing all of this like the person that they love is not who they think it is and the ending is absolutely grim and really really fucking sad but scary at the same time it's very hard to be mm-hmm. sad and scary at the same time it's very unusual the night
0: anyway, Andy came home
2: exactly AKA. exactly Marcus what's your number two
1: number two is definitely one of my all-time favorite movies Blood Freak from 1971 oh <laughs> <shit>. Ooh, <laughs> nice I do have the VHS but I didn't I didn't drag it out I was too busy putting my eyeliner on but um <laughs> so it's uh Blood Freak, it's the only, like, anti-drug mutant uh, turkey vampire movie that I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, it's, it's uh, it stars Steve Hawks, who was uh, – he played Tarzan in a bunch of movies. He also was, like, an animal sanctuary owner who had, like, 600-pound tigers and stuff. He was sort of a Tiger King of the 70s. Of course, one of them escaped. I think it might have injured somebody uh, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> um, uh, so but Blood Freak is interesting enough, even without all the backstory of Steve, but it's like a, a guy working on a turkey farm who's uh, addicted to marijuana, gets some experiments done on him, and he ends up, of course, turning into a mutant turkey Who's still addicted to <laughs> marijuana uh it's basically a, just a giant like a big kentucky fried chicken turkey head stuck on his yeah. more like a chicken stuck on his body jesus christ like, um and he he's addicted to <laughs> pot still so he's got to. um the way he, he gets his fix is he has to suck blood of other people who smoke pots so um of course, a, of course it was of course it's florida you know made in florida and in early 70s and that part of that whole florida scene of Cheap, low budget movies. It's one of the best movies ever made. If you want to, if you're looking to like uh, have your sides, you know, have the movie physically impact you, your sides will be aching by halfway through this movie. It's- <laughs> and it's good awesome. to get
0: stoned to, too, you know. I can yes. I, I can actually attest to that. Yeah, <laughs> like like when the guy's uh, legs getting cut off and it goes on
1: forever. Oh you God! See? Yeah, there's this there's a real amputee okay, in it okay. that they that they use exactly. for the uh, buzzsaw effect. And so well, here we go. Squeezy, so it's, yeah. it's uh, Hold
3: on. a last let me,
2: round. Oh, let me introduce it. I'm the host. Okay. Uh, thank you, go Marcus. Blood Freak is your is your number two. All right, guys, we're getting into our number ones. Tom, what okay. is your number one most underrated horror
0: film? It is called The Jar. Oh. Right hey okay the jar I had that too. Uh, wow what can I say it's not all right on it's 1984 and uh it's made, it's another film uh, by a director who made only one film uh, I'm glad we got a couple of those in tonight Love uh, those. very obscure I know I don't think it I don't think it played theaters and it barely came out in VHS it's a horrible transfer uh no one's ever seen this film look good i don't think it ever looked great it looks like it was super eight actually but probably 16. It was really blown up on vhs terrible transfer but it adds to the dreamlike quality uh there's it's almost plotless it's basically a feel piece it's hardcore synth porn like 80s synth rock like just glistening over everything and, it's, and you follow this guy, this lonely bearded guy, looks like he works at a Walden Books at the mall, uh, you know, and he's at his apartments and it feels like a Denver condo kind of depression world. And he has hallucinations constantly. Uh, and he has hallucination about a weird jar with a weird kind of um, bad uh, uh, basket case kind of facsimile kind of monster. Totally, but then he also totally. has flights of fancy of... Um, meeting like a young trick in the street who suddenly gets like clawed in the chest and then he, and then he sees a fantasy it looks like out of that neil young movie journey to the past he starts seeing a row of a procession of um hooded monks with a huge cross and then suddenly he's in a vietnam flashback fantasy yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the jar is a monster of obscure insanity many people have pointed out you can kind of feel it that it has um, some overtones of the lead character uh, having some uh, questions about his uh, sexual identity. Uh, There's a lot of male nudity in it. um, And uh, it's a big bummer. It's the weirdest of the weird and the jar gets my number one spot.
2: (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. I love that. Um, All right. My, here we go. My number one, most underrated horror film. Okay, you know, we talked about how at the top of the show I was going to take the horror genre, take some liberties with the horror genre. This movie is a, no- a well-known film by many metrics, but I think when you talk about t- cuz for my estimation, the 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 scariest movies, the scariest horror films are sometimes not sorry, the scariest films are sometimes not horror movies at all, mm. okay? And to me, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I saw it in the theater. And when it gets going into that third act and it gets into a level of like, I don't know, cosmic horror to me. And it also is sad horror. It is sad horror. And it's known by a very Mm -hmm. famous director. And I'm going to say that this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Maybe the scariest movie ever made. I will go on record for that. Get ready. Here it is. I know you guys aren't huge fans of it because I know we've talked about it before. But for Uh me, the the number one most underrated horror film of all time by that metric of being the scariest film ever made is Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me from 1992, directed by David Lynch, because... You know, yeah, it's not without its faults. It's not without its flaws. It's kind of jumbly, especially in the beginning, and it's got some set of people. Who gives a fuck? When it gets to that goddamn last 45 minutes, when you're talking about the honking horn fucking scene, when you're talking about the, the, the insane, when you're talking about you know the actual scene where Laura Palmer dies, is absolutely one of the most cosmically terrifying uh, moments that goes from shockingly horrifying to like sad to beautiful to like transcendent. Yeah. and it's yeah. I've never really seen a sequence like that in any other movie. And uh, the movie was purposefully mixed low for the first few reels, you know, just so the third reel could be blown out oh. in theaters. That's what he did to trick. He, he actually did that to trick every projectionist <laughs> in America. So if you see a 35 millimeter print, it's going to be loud as fuck. Anyway, uh, wow. Twin what Peaks you- Firewalk wow. with me, the most underrated horror film my expansion okay there you go
1: boom i I love it we saw we rolled it the theater it was incredible sound and like Mm -hmm. yeah just like the last sequence yeah it's amazing um
2: all right marcus two uh, minutes what's your number one most underrated horror film go for it
1: oh okay so this is one movie it I if if you spend any time with me i brought this movie up i bring it up all the time here i you know talk these guys ears off about it um it's a kitchen sink horror movie. It's got everything. It, they tried to stick every single idea you could ever get from a horror movie into this movie. It's it's also from nineteen eighty three, like half my list. But it's Devil <laughs> Fetus. Okay. Oh, uh, hello Hong, Hong Kong. Uh, I think uh, Good pick. I'm pretty sure it's Hong Kong. And um, it's it's off. It's probably the most obscure on my list too. It's it's so weird. It's every horror movie rolled into one. It's it's a. Uh, the ent- it's got a little entity in it it's got a little uh, poltergeist in it it's got a little uh, it's got it's got monster dogs it's got uh, paper magic it's got kung fu wizards it's got uh, it's got women masturbating with uh, with with uh, priceless vases it's got uh, seven-headed Whoa. demons it's like and it's all Mormon. these all these sort of charming practical effects uh done you know that only like they, they, they could have done in a cheap hong kong movie it's got stolen disco drops like from the yeah, dude. hopelessly obscure disco band disconnection um it's like uh it's to me it's just a really perfect film you will be lost from beginning to end wondering what the fuck is going on Even though everything has a familiarity about it you feel like you've seen the parts of this movie before but it's just it's uh I don't know it's very it's dreamlike and weird in its own bit it's also one of those only movies that's only available on like a vcd rip and who doesn't love a vcd you know um so i'm sure it's out there somewhere but um devil fetus
0: all right and uh we beat the clock that was very disciplined folks i mean you know we're, we're a little under that's amazing you know well, that was crazy. <laughs> oh,
1: I can't yeah, hear. I, I got. I wish I'd taken notes on Tom's list. I Man, I guess I can go back and watch it.
0: I've got the. I've got the note. Can we hear you, Evan? <laughs> can we hear Evan?
2: My top. That was our top ten <laughs> most underrated horror movies. I don't know why my volume turned down there. Oh well. Uh, thank you, everybody. That Success. was a blast.
0: We did it. That was so fun.
2: Yeah, that was amazing. Wow. I can't believe we did that. We 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 made the clock. We did it. I'm gonna put We my, did it. I'm gonna put this back on just to celebrate that we did it. That was incredible. And no overlap. No fucking overlap too. No,
0: no. We were very disciplined.
2: Very disciplined. I'm very proud of us. I'm very proud of us, guys. Um so hey, that could be a new format for the show. We could yeah, do every yeah, once absolutely. in a while a top ten episode. Yeah. If y'all like it, let us know if you like it. If you like it, you like us sharing kind of our weird taste, our sensibilities, some of the some of the uh, you know just movies you might not hear about every day. That's what we're here to, to tell I you. I think
0: you know just to think out uh, you know taking a step back. I think it is kind of cool to, to, to uh, have people hang with us on an individual level, somewhat. You know what I mean? Because we do all just jump all for the one hour with the one movie, and it's sort of like uh like where's each person kind of coming from in this different shading. I mean, there's tons of overlap, but. Uh, And I do just want to be on the record saying, um, okay, that got pretty obscure on my list. Uh, I just, you know, but but you guys know me, and that is the frightening world that I I live in. I would
1: expect nothing less, honestly. Right. right. Because at first I started What's amazing is that you keep coming up with obscure movies after I've known you for, like, you know, how many, like, uh, 13, 14 years or something. Yeah. And, and, And I already had, like, a you know, your every movie you ever owned off of your, your gray label site from way back when, you know, so like, yeah. I, I've already been through that list and, right. and still you're coming up with movies I've never fucking heard of. So it's more, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, well, it's fun. And so, so, you know, I was just kind of, you know, holding it down on that front and I hope it all kind of, like we said earlier to, our, to each other, like it, it all kind of balances out in the wash, you know, like we went from, well, we went from a David Lynch film, to a uh, uh, an obscure Chris- christian film you know? yeah yeah so, you know i think it was great wide it region. was great and, yeah. and hopefully yeah. Yeah.
2: hopefully in the future we'll be able to do like you know lists about documentaries foreign films who knows absolutely we'll, we'll, uh, how about
0: the we'll, worst let's just do it let's just say we're gonna do a top 10 worst i would do that because yeah. that would rock the caspaw dude
2: okay that's the next one that's officially you heard it here yeah, first that's nice the season. next one That'll be the next one yeah. that we'll do. I can't wait. It'll get us a lot of heat. All right, I love it. Um, but guys, we're not here. We're not <laughs> done with horror flicks. We're not. We're not done with underrated horror flicks. Oh yeah, by any stretch of the imagination, because we asked our usual guests, the people that come on our show, you know, like Joey Izzo, Rami Bennett, Lars Nilsson. We asked them to submit their number one most underrated horror film uh so what what would top their list okay so we asked them let's and they sent on. in videos they sent in fucking videos Ooh, that we're gonna watch huh. right now as <laughs> a little surprises. bonus as a little bo- <laughs> hey this is the halloween party episode here of one fucking hour so let's celebrate a little bit so um all right so we're gonna go to the one fucking hour tv um okay so First up, we got Joey Izzo. Joey Izzo, who was on last week's episode uh, on One Fucking Hour and Things. Joey Izzo, this is his number one, I guess, number one under m- most underrated, whatever, horror film uh,
4: from his list. Okay, Joey, take it away. What's up, One Fucking okay. Hour? Um, I thought a lot about my underrated horror movie pick. I decided to go with a crowd pleaser, one that will work for almost any viewer, any viewer, will like this movie, Soul Survivor, Soul 1984, Survivor. by Tom Eberhardt. It's about a woman played by Anita Skinner. She was from Girlfriends, which also does not miss. Anita Skinner plays Denise, a news reporter producer who inexplicably survives a plane crash. Thereafter she starts being stalked by all these reanimated dead people that are coming after her to collect her soul. The movie is absolutely chilling, has a great script, a killer soundtrack that's still unreleased, I believe. Great performances. It's a cool movie. But you're really there for the atmosphere. It has incredible production design, some of the best early 80s settings that you'll see in a movie. And it has a incredible ending that if you don't know anything, you will be somewhat surprised. It was given an extremely limited theatrical run when it was released in 1984 or 85. And then... When it came out in the VHS market, it has a cover that was very deceptive. I know I thought that the movie was a science fiction movie. Soul Survivor also like really sticks out for doing its own thing at a time that was pretty myopically slasher driven. So I also really love it for its individuality. And also I have to mention the movies that it's influenced. You have final destination a billion dollar franchise this movie seems to be the pioneer that was scalped for that also it follows seems to borrow heavily from soul survivor as well but you'll also see touchstone scenes in some 90s classics like Candyman and in the mouth of madness you'll see certain scenes in soul survivor that had to have been a huge influence on those films as well so yeah hope that sounds interesting i hope you guys like it as well see you later oh and happy awesome yeah
0: Awesome recording, Joey. Joey. Uh, yeah. That was a great pick. That that dusted all of ours. Really. Respect to him. That was perfect. That was on the nose. I and mean, it really is a cool obscurity.
2: Wow. It's a cool movie. Definitely check it out nice. if you're not. Nice. Uh, Soul Survivor. I actually re- wrestled with it being on mine, but yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah. Okay, so we got it's we got so Rami Bennett's. These next two are a little past two minutes. Don't worry. There'll be some entertaining cutaways. Oh, my God.
0: They're breaking the the rule.
2: They they did, because they're not on the same hour. Oh, they um, don't know. I know. know. I'm kidding. Okay, so here is um, Rami Bennett with her um, number one most underrated horror film for her. And this is very fitting. I know (laughs) what it is.
3: Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Happy Halloween. So I'm here to talk about what I consider one of the scariest movies of all time, Featuring the scariest horror villain of all time It's uh, 1986's Poltergeist 2, The Other Side um, uh. As you know, Evan, I consider <laughs> Poltergeist the original Masterpiece, probably my favorite movie of all time um, Poltergeist 2, though, I think is probably the, uh, the most traumatic film experience I've ever had um as a as a child. That's um so I want to talk about the uh, the the character of Reverend Kane, uh who is uh, a nineteenth century uh preacher, cult leader, uh who is a spirit in this film, uh who is the evil spirit from Poltergeist One personified to come back to haunt the uh, Freeling family, manipulate them, screw their minds, and try to bring Carol back into uh, his uh, evil, evil fold. Um, and the backstory of him is that he was, yeah, he was like this, this preacher, cult leader, who basically led his followers into an underground hideout, um, which happened to be under the Freeling house, uh, I guess, adjacent to the Indian burial ground. Um, and he led these followers to his death. And there's incredibly creepy scenes and flashbacks of of him doing this. but the the scene that that scared me the most as a kid was, um, when he is approaching the Freeling house in the in the rain and and Carol Ann is outside and he's singing some you know creepy preacher song. And she sees him coming, and there's just this terrible foreboding feeling um, that there is this this encroaching evil that that you have no power over. Um, and uh, he comes up to the house, and the family comes out on the porch, and Craig T. Nelson is there, plays Steve, the dad, and there's a, there's just this feeling that whatever this person, this Reverend, represents, it's so so dark and insidious and it's encroaching on your sense of uh, of safety and solace in this family unit that nothing can protect you um and i think as a kid it really resonated uh with me this feeling of um what what happens when no one can protect you your father your mother um and and just like it, it made me it makes me remember that feeling of being small and and having something very overpowering, uh, terrify you. Uh, so he comes to the door, um, and the family goes in the house, but Craig T Nelson has to kind of face him and he's trying to screw with his mind and he's getting very close to, to manipulating him. Um, and, uh, even today when I was rewatching the scene, I, 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 literally my entire body (laughs) was cold broke out into goosebumps. I was looking around the house, literally terrified. I almost ran out of the house. I was so scared to be alone. And so for, you know, for whatever reason this this image, this this actor, this this character has haunted me and and still I, I will have nightmares about Reverend Kane. And the the clincher to this, I think in terms of the film, you know, obviously this is not a amazing film. It's really about this casting in this character that so julian beck was a really interesting figure in like the new york city avant-garde art theater scene he was the founder of the living theater in uh new york city downtown and he was like a poet an anarchist an actor very strange he didn't do many films and he had um stomach cancer from 1983 when he we got the cancer and so during the filming of poltergeist 2 he was dying of, of stomach cancer and and so so hence the realism in terms of you know his his terrifying decrepit look you know he was literally wasting away and and was on death's door so yeah, i think rough. also i that always struck me as if you're going to cast a movie like and you want it to be scary like do it for real. Um because this man is is literally dying in front of you and it uh I I I dare anyone not to be um terrified by it. Um so that's it. And you know, I mean, I don't know if it's underrated, but I think maybe underappreciated for how intensely terrifying it is. Um there you go.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Poltergeist 2. Oh, it's the yeah.
1: sequel, so that's great. Yeah, Julian yeah. Beck, crazy. Oof. Yeah,
2: totally crazy. All right, so here is the <laughs> this one. Okay, all Uh-oh. right. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> all right, here we go. Thank you very much, Rami okay. for sending that in. in
1: Here's here, <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> Peter Falk's slasher movie. <laughs> no, no.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much, Rami for sending that in. But okay, here we go. Here's Lars's. Yeah, yeah. Here's Lars' most underrated horror film. I, guys, Lars, I love you. Okay, here we go. Let's
1: do it. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh,
2: Not what I was expecting. Spoiler alert. Here we go. Right.
5: (laughs) I think when it comes to horror movies, maybe a lot of other people are in the same boat that I am, which is that I love horror movies. I love the experience of horror movies. Horror movies have been a part of my life since I was a little kid. Uh, But I'm not really scared by very many horror movies, if at all. Um, Even horror movies that have really effective scares, um, it doesn't last. Like, I can think of scary moments from The Shining, scary moments from Halloween. Uh, But ultimately, I don't sit and watch that horror movie just uh, terrified, you know, down to my last nerve. It just doesn't happen anymore. It happened when I was a little kid, but not anymore. (laughs) But um, there's a particular... Movie that really scares the hell out of me in line almost with A Nightmare. In fact, the closest thing I can even mention that would be be in relation to this film is A Nightmare itself. And that is the 1979 ITV uh, Royal Shakespeare Company filmed or videotaped production of Macbeth starring Ian McKellen and Judi Dench. And uh, this sounds crazy. This sounds like super highbrow and all of that. But I'm telling you... This is a really, really scary movie. Um, it is shot on video, so although it's not shot, it doesn't look like an S.O.V. horror movie, like I don't know, Boarding House or something. It just it uh, it has a, a kind of immediacy, almost like from a soap opera or like Dark Shadows. But just imagine that it's also incredibly well lit, incredibly well done, and these are the, the greatest actors in the world doing this, and it's written by the greatest writer of all time, um, and it's a story that is scary. Um, I mean, it has witches, <clears throat> it has prophecy, it has murder, and it has like the sense that I find in my scariest nightmares, which is that you've done something bad, and it just keeps getting deeper, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and that's one thing to sort of say it on paper, but it's another thing to watch people living this out over the course of two hours and 20 minutes um, of murder becoming deeper and deeper, the murder of sleep. Um, I, I think it probably um, pays to understand, to know the source material. Um, the language is so rich for a lot of people, it's very obscure. I think for almost everybody it's obscure. But when you watch great actors enacting it, you sort of get the point across. But I really would sort of recommend like reading a plot outline of Macbeth If you're not familiar with it already, just so you know what the hell's going on. It's like, oh, that's what the – that's the – that's what Thane of Cawdor – that's what it matters that he becomes Thane of Cawdor, et cetera. And all of the little things that you're going to need to kind of catch up with. Oh, this, this, all these things are coming true. That's so interesting. Um, And I think that that really helps you sort of understand the plot of what's going on in Macbeth. Um, There's a scene in this where – I mean it builds up to this incredible sense of – nightmarish inevitability but there's the the scene in this where I think it really sort of reaches its climax both as a piece of drama and as a horror film is um is Lady Macbeth's big scene um with the the blood and everything and her and she lets out a scream that is uh an actor's choice I think possibly a director's choice to do it this way and it is um One of the most wrenching things, like I can hear it, I haven't watched this in years and years, I can hear it in my head. think this is one of the great horror movies. Uh, again, I'm not trying to sell like Mr. Highbrow over here, but for all of those of you who have, like, uh, developed a huge tolerance to normal, the normal drugs, you know, this is like the heroin. So, uh, please um, use heroin wisely uh, and watch this. Oh, Thank boy. you. So much. It's on YouTube. You can see it out there. Just search, like, cool. Macbeth Ian McKellen and you will find it. It's really nice quality on YouTube.
0: Uh, I recommend it. Lars oh, yeah. would bring in the heat. Yeah. Holy shit. Man. Yeah. Wow. Dude, like, I know exactly I what he's it. talking
1: about. that, Like that, like seventies, eighties, like BBC, like videotape, Dr. Twilight, Who, Zone, had that. Twilight Zone had that. It is some queasy, uncomfortable looking stuff. You know, it feels very, yeah, I know. feels well, like a dream. Said dark shadows too. You know?
0: um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, wow! What a so pick. There you go. That, uh, that, pick that I no. uh, would have oh, never picked that. No, it's uh, not even a guess movie. Yes, he would pick that. Technically, holy sh! Nike's. Um, I don't know I love it's it. Shakespeare. Yeah, I've only seen it. the
1: uh, the Polanski. That sounds cool though.
0: I thought when I he said it like Beth, he that he
1: said that hiding in plain sight type thing too, where it's like yeah. one of the most famous stories in the right. world. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. He
2: said, well, we've, he said been, to me, we've been we've he, he, he said to me he was like yeah i'm gonna pick Macbeth, and i was like okay cool because i thought it was like okay the polanski film he's gonna have a take on it but no 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 right a filmed stage play of Macbeth. okay lars I, I, you know that's that's cool uh, what a like for 1979 get yeah. down well,
0: so we've been all around the world twice yeah, with this one very we have, fun
2: thank you everybody so great to everybody you contributed submitted. joey
0: yeah. Remy. And Doctor uh, Doctor Lars, was <laughs> the heat. Was fucking crazy. Yeah, was fucking that was a lot crazy. of fun. That's well, another new a, thing, by the way. People, yeah. you know, the mailbag. Yes, it is you know, the mailbag.
2: Yeah, we, mail we got mailbag. We fun. we have a bunch of, we have a bunch of O F H new debuts tonight for new possibilities. Yeah, right, right. So, it's cool. I like it. All right, but let's wrap it up because we've been here forever. But uh, f- f- it's a feature-length episode of the show. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you liked it. Happy Halloween, and uh, we will catch you next week. Uh, We're going to get back to normal programming. No more horror films. We're going to get back to the usual. Really? Yeah, we're done with horror. We're not doing Driller Killer. No, we're not. We're going to be done. (laughs) My 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 neck beard has mostly uh, fallen off.
0: But oh, it's mulching
2: it's mulching but we're we are mostly done with horror for a while we're gonna try to hit some other areas here for the next little while um but we had a bunch of awesome shit back coming up basics. So back to basics we haven't quite decided on next week's film so uh we've been so bogged down by this but check the social medias follow us on instagram at one fucking hour uh, or on twitter at numerical one yeah. fucking hour and just get get in there and follow us and you'll you, you, we are gonna unveil it here pretty soon in the next couple of days
0: and
1: drill that like and
0: subscribe button. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and leave a comment of uh, you're your number one. You know? Disc- oh, disc- yeah. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. What is
2: your guys' lists? What's your top 10 most underrated
0: Which film? Leave it in the horror comments. Which movie is the jam and you want the world to know more about it? Exactly. Let's hear it.
2: Let's hear us. Let yeah. us know. Uh, let's hear it. Let us know. Okay, guys. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this beard. I got to shower. I got to get out of this thing. I- I am all I'm I'm done I I won't
0: I won't miss the the nose ring okay
2: (laughs) I am done being Fred Goria I'm done. I'm turning it in. But until, until next year. Until next year, Fred Goria might make a new uh, comeback. Okay. All right, everybody. Subscribe to Shutter. We will talk to you next week, uh, everybody. And uh, we might sneak in a little moment of zen for you. All right, everybody. And have a great uh, rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Happy Halloween. We will catch you next week, everybody. Enjoy. Take care. So long.
0: Happy Halloween. <laughs> Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. That was wicked, man.